welcome, welcome. This is our third attempt at talking to the one and only Sally Bryant of the Bryant Group. So when was the first time we tried to do this? We tried to do this back in June? Yeah, a few months back. Yeah, I was in, I was all excited. I was in a hotel in Denver and they had like this little mini closet that was like the perfect podcasting space. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. And then the internet did not work. And then we tried it again and I feel like the internet didn't work again or something. And then. Yes, we rescheduled. And that time I think it was an equipment failure. Yeah. Well, you know, these things happen, but it's uh, Sally is a friend of mine. Any other Vistage people out there, cover your ears. But she's like my favorite Vistage buddy of uh, everybody in the group. And uh, <laughs> mostly because she is a freaking tough cookie running a couple of very cool businesses and uh, just is also all one of my all-time favorite people. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Well, and thanks for having me at CatCo. This, this is, is the so first time awesome. we've done this where it's like we're actually in across person. the table from the person that we're talking to. Like. How much, how much stuff are y'all doing? So I guess give the people a little bit of a background. Bryant Group, you were running a uh, recruiting firm, uh, recruit, or search firm. Uh, just give everybody kind of a brief rundown of your business, what you do. So we have that for context. Super. So Bryant Group is a leadership consulting firm. We have three service lines. One is executive recruiting. That's mm-hmm. our main focus. That's yep. what we've been for over 30 years. But about five years ago, we also added leadership coaching and leadership education. Just knowing that recruiting the right leaders is huge, but helping people be the right leaders is also important. So how much face-to-face stuff are you doing? Because y'all searches are like nationwide, right? And so... Throughout the US and Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So like North American wide, at least. And so how much stuff are y'all doing in person versus virtual and is that different now compared to what it was, you know, pre-COVID or? Yes, we used to, before COVID, we would be at the client site to begin the project so we mm-hmm. could learn about them. We would interview every semifinalist candidate in person before we presented them to the client. And then we would join the client on site for interviews. So there was a lot of traveling just for one project. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, we have done searches beginning to end without ever giving on an airplane. Wow. Okay. So now that things are like loosening up, are you finding that your clients are like, Hey, let's, let's get back in person again. Or is everybody just used to the virtual thing or like definitely more hybrid, Okay. more hybrid. So we have less travel than we used to, but I'm, I'm seeing a real desire and almost like a hunger for people to be together again, realizing what they're kind of losing when you're just doing so. Yeah. So case in point right here, this is the first time that I have, that we've done a get better business interview across the table in your experience, especially where you're having some of these conversations where you're really trying to get to know people and understand their, you know, fit their values, if they're going to fit with the culture of these organizations, even people like you and me who know each other pretty well, what's missing whenever you're doing the screen? Like, what do you, what do you think is the biggest difference between doing the stuff virtual versus doing the stuff in person? So there is an intangible quality Mm -hmm. of what you can understand about a person sitting with them that you cannot understand in a 2D environment. So let me give you a quick story. So one of our clients at the beginning of the pandemic, a hospital in Montana, Mm -hmm. was recruiting a, we were recruiting a vice president for development for them. 
and they did video. It was literally like we were going to bring people to campus and then everything shut down. So I said, look, we don't know how long the shutdown is going to be. I said to the hospital CEO, could we just have you do a Zoom interview with these people to to bridge us until whenever we can travel again? Mm -hmm. And he said, absolutely. Um, I said, they need to get to know you. You need to get to know them. He said, yes. But he said, Sally, I won't cut anybody after seeing them on video. I said, thank you. That's perfect. So after we did the video, there were four candidates. His number one candidate, six weeks later, so he had a number one after the videos, six weeks later, literally the day that Montana opened up, we had people on Mm -hmm. campus. um, And out of the four, his number one not only became his number four, it became a person that he would not even consider for the job. To what extent do you attribute that to the face-to-face stuff versus just kind of progressing in the interview process? Because I would also, I mean, I'll challenge you here that I think that if you are interviewing people, like, I mean, I just went through an interview process looking for a key member of our team. And I had a little bit of that where it's like, hey, in interview number one, I walked away with a really, really good impression. And then in interview number two, it just kind of fell off the map or vice versa. Somebody that I was really cool, kind of cool on became my favorite you know, later on in the process. And so I guess, how do you feel like that, that this particular experience compares to other people maybe kind of changing up their favorites versus just as they progress through the interview process? Yeah, I love that. I love how you always come at it from a different angle, push back on me <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that there's some of each. Okay. One of the things that I believe is no matter how many people are on a Zoom screen, in some ways, it still feels like you're talking to one entity okay. because there's one computer in front of you. So one of the things that you get in person that you can't get on Zoom is how does this person interact with a crowd Oh, okay. and how do they relate to different people? So you can see who they're looking at when you're in person. On Zoom, you cannot tell oh. who they're looking at. You don't know if they're including everybody in their eye contact. You don't know if they're just responding to the person who asked the question. It it is a whole different feeling. In that same search, the person that I believed was the number one candidate. And I had met all Mm -hmm. of the candidates in person because, you know, it was pre-COVID. It was right there on that line. Uh, I had met them all already. The one I believed was the number one is the one who ultimately ended up in the position but I had seen him one-on-one. I'd yeah. seen him in a group. So it does, there's some of what you're saying, but there's something you can't get on Zoom. In the interview process, what I found, now that I'm reflecting on this after hearing you talk about it, is that I think that one of the biggest deciding factors in establishing whether somebody you know, rose to the top versus not was the way that they interacted with my team. And it's because like the way that our interview process was set up was they had a couple, like we had a couple of meetings where it was just me and me and this other person. And then as a final interview, they came in and met with the whole team. And that was really a big part of where some people sort of went South was that it was, they were fine with me one-on-one, but when I saw the way that they worked with the team, it was just, it was just different. Absolutely. And if you had done that on Zoom, they actually may have been interacting with you, yeah. even though the whole team was on Zoom. Yeah. And I think that it takes a very, like the, the person that ended up being hired actually 
we ended up, you know, doing a group Zoom call. Like the, just the way that it worked out was that we had a couple of people that couldn't be physically present at the interview. And so um, Crystal, my wife, was on Zoom, and then my director of sales was on Zoom. And he did a very good job of of directly engaging the wow. people on the call where, you know, he would look into the camera and specifically ask a question to Lee or to Crystal. And so it was, I think that that made an impact. And so I think that, you know, maybe that's a nice little tip is that if you're interacting with people on zoom, just like you said, is that I think that it's not natural to see who you are interacting with. And so you just have to be very intentional about calling somebody out, speaking directly to them. or Saying their name. Yeah. Exactly. And I love what you just said in a hybrid situation a candidate could really stand out by interacting not only with the people mm-hmm. that they're in the room with, but by ensuring that they're looking at the computer and then engaging those people. Yeah. All right. Okay. A couple of ways we could take this. Okay. Sally and I are kind of trouble when we get together because we always end up with all these like crazy ideas, you know, people are starting new ventures or whatever when we, you know, all that, but okay. I think the thing one that would be helpful to people is you being an expert on search, recruiting, interviewing, you know, that, that being the world that you live in, if somebody is out there and they are looking to bring on a team, what would you identify as like, hey, these are some things that really can make the difference in the way that you structure your search. These are the things that can really make a difference to increase the likelihood that you're going to get great candidates and that your interview process is going to ultimately reveal the best candidate. So this probably won't surprise you, Travis, since we both operate on EOS. Yeah. But the first thing is, is you absolutely need to know your core values. Okay. And those core values need to be part of literally your job description Mm -hmm. and how you advertise and then how you talk to candidates. And frankly, even if you're not using a recruiter, I absolutely recommend having a recruiter mindset. And what I mean yeah. by that is, right, call, call people who have your values. Mm-hmm. Call your network. Who do they know? Who would be good for this position? Yeah. When you bring those people in, I immediately talk to, if I'm hiring for us, we talk about our values. If we're recruiting them for a client, we talk about the client values. How do those align with your values? Give us some examples. Yeah. How do you live those every day? So how do you, okay, so and maybe this is expanding on that as answer to this question, but here was the, the a struggle that I went into, right? Is that on the one hand, it's like, I do want to find those people that share my values and this and that. On the other hand, it's like, I don't want to just tee it up for them. I don't want to say, you know, like we told people what our core values were or whatever, but I didn't want to put people in a position where they could very easily tell me what I wanted to hear. And so I guess, how do you sort of run that boundary of being like, hey, we want to be authentic about who we are without, you know, maybe letting in some kind of a snake that can just read back to you in a clever way. Like, oh, I know that these are Sally's core values. And so when I'm talking to her, I'm going to start, you know, dabbling some of this in there and working with that. So how do you like, what's that line of tell them enough so that they understand what you're asking, but not so much that you're just laying it out there for on a a platter for them? First of all, I would actually love somebody who had done enough research and put enough thought into their interview that they could start to give, you know, dabbling that in there, as you said, right? So that's fair. I would actually give them some points for that. Okay. The other thing, though, is that I think it's really important to come up with questions Mm -hmm. 
that don't even include the words of your core values, but that get at how they live them every day. Okay. Um, and so it might be, um, we'll just get, let's like throw out one of your core values at Brian group or whatever. And I know that you've been doing some hiring recently. So like, what are like, give me an example of like, this is the value. And then this is the question that sort of see how we fantastic. So one of our core values is proactive communication. Okay. And it's not just communication. It's proactive communication. So the reason that that word is in there is because we always want to, uh, work with our clients where they never have to ask us what's going on. They never get yeah. blindsided. It's okay. a no surprises policy. So, and I want my internal people working with me that way. And I want to work with them that way. I don't have to chase them for information. Sure. They don't have to chase me for information. It's always proactive. Gotcha. So a question for a candidate might be something like, how do you ensure that your colleagues always know what you're doing? Yeah. Or, oh, I mean, it can be super basic like yeah. that. Or even, what does no surprises mean to you? Well, and then also, it's like you're, I like that because I think it's making the questions very behavior-based because ultimately, like, that's the manifestation of the values is that it's one thing to say, like, hey, I really believe in proactive communication. It's a different thing to say, here is my process for whenever I'm working with my team where it's like, hey, every day I, you know, post to the Slack channel, hey, this is what I'm working on or whatever. And it's like, you see the evidence of it. You know, I mean, honestly, absolutely. It's that daily action because so really quickly, another core value is integrity. Mm -hmm. I would ask somebody something like, when did you tell me about a time that you did something that you regretted, you wish you wouldn't have done, maybe you were ashamed of and how it affected other people. Yeah. What did you do about it? Because integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Sure. And it's, it's fixing things when no one would ever know. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I hadn't heard that add on or whatever. I've heard the doing right window, but I like the second half. Yeah. What if you did something wrong and it's going to affect somebody in a, in a negative way, Mm -hmm. but they would never know it was you. Yeah. Okay. Integrity is making sure that you come clean, that you fix it. So I want to hear from people. When were you in a tough situation? So I just think if you think through your core values, there's, there are questions that will give you insights. Yeah. And I think, and, and I really do like the, Focusing on the, tell me about your behavior. Tell me about this thing that you, tell me what you do. Framing it in that way so that that way they can't just talk about, well, this is what they believe or this is what there's important to you, but more like, hey, here's the evidence, you know, of what it is. In interviewing, it's just like in marketing. In interviewing, stories Mm -hmm. are everything. A candidate needs to tell you, here's what I believe. Mm -hmm. Here's how I've enacted it. Mm-hmm. And here's how I would enact it at your company. Yeah. It needs to be really crystal clear because without examples, mm-hmm. it's like you said, it's just surface. Anyone can spout theory. Sure. And it's like, you know, hypothetically, we can do this like, well, you know, like that's all well and good. But I, I do like the, the storytelling, like kind of closing that loop where um, you kind of have to get to that resolution and see what that was like for everybody, too. So, you know. Yeah. And don't ask people, I'm sorry. I never ask people, what is your greatest strength? What is your greatest weakness? weakness. I care too much. I know. It's like, because everyone's prepared for that. We need to ask questions that really elicit like a little bit of a feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my favorite questions is what is your superpower? Yeah. Because you have something that's unique about you. And I want to know what that is. And usually that elicits something more like a passion, 
uh, something that they're really proud of. Mm -hmm. Whereas what is your greatest strength is people are like, Oh, I'm really hard worker, you know, great communicator, team player. Yeah. Typical stuff. Right. Like just pick a word out of like the buzzword column. Right. No. All right. So any other like, tips or tricks or like hacks or whatever, like all the, all the kids are saying these days, but like I read in, have you ever read radical candor by Kim Scott? I, I have not read all of it, but yeah. I have started you're familiar and you're familiar yes. with the concept. Yep. Well, one of the things that she talks about either in the podcast or in the book is whenever she was interviewing people is that she would walk people to their car. And she was like, as soon as we got out the door, she's like, you would not believe the stuff that people would tell me where it's like, she gets them to the car door and opens it up. And then that's whenever the person, you know, and she's like interviewing people for this position, right? She was, you know, an executive at, you know, a couple of tech companies and she gets them out to the car and she's like, I found out that people, you know, uh, had drug problems found out that people had lied on their resume or whatever. And it was just like, she says, I don't know what happens to people's brains, but as soon as they walked out of the building, something changed and they started saying stuff that they would have never told me in the interview. And so I always like, I like that as, so anybody that ever is interviewing a cat, go heads up. I'm going to walk you to your car, but it's, I started doing that now. I haven't heard anything too crazy, but I do think that it's a nice, like little tip or whatever to get a little bit more out. So do you have any like cool, Sally Bryant tricks that you can, you know, hacks that you can do to get a little bit more information, get people to get a little more real in the interview process. I like that. Um, maybe fairly similar, pick somebody up at the airport. Oh yeah. Um, or go to dinner, which isn't quite, that's a little more formal. So you get more into the interviewee space, go to dinner with them and their partner or their spouse. Mm. Now you're getting more like, who are they as a person? But I love that walk to your car. I'll have to go back and look up some of those stories or whatever, some of the specifics, but like, she just talked about how it was nuts. Like people would just say, she was like, I cannot believe that you just said those words to me. I also have to say just sort of, uh, sort of on that same tangent. And I think most people probably do this these days, but really look at LinkedIn and see who they're connected to Mm -hmm. become like the, you know, five people you hang around the most. Sure. Um, And if you know any of the people that they know, Maybe find out how they know them yeah. or, you know, how did they interact with them? And and you get a little bit different view. Yeah. Another thing that I like to do on the LinkedIn piece is that I, whenever so I was working with a recruiter, when I was looking for the, um, for, for this last position that we filled and they'd send me their LinkedIn profile and I would go to it and start looking through and I would look at their activity mm-hmm. mostly to see if like, no, Travis Richards has a very specific opinion about the way that I like to act and, and behave on LinkedIn and the way that I would hope that other people at the company would do as well. And so I was like, you know, and we've all been on LinkedIn. We know that those opinions kind of vary widely as far as what is appropriate for LinkedIn versus other medium, perhaps. So cut to the chase, whatever. I'm looking to see if they're doing anything that kind of sets off crazy bells in my alarm of, of like, I cannot believe that this person post is, I cannot believe that this person is working for a company and does not have the self-awareness to realize that this seems like an inappropriate comment. Everyone has to be really careful on social media these days. And sure. Although we, you know, we can warn clients in many instances, it's actually not even okay to actually Google your candidates yeah. and that kind of thing. But that doesn't mean that people shouldn't be very aware of how they're coming across. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that 
everybody's a lot like I'm not, you know, like, look, we're not the thought police here or anything like that. But it's it's just kind of another like I guess that it would say is that it's another it is evidence of how they are behaving in what, in my opinion, is a professional setting. And it's it's no different where it's like if you're taking clients out for dinner, I've known people that it's like, hey, after five o'clock, it's like game on. We can do whatever and act in a very different way than we would if we were being, you know, if we were still inside the walls of the conference center. That's not the way that we want to do it. And so like, hey, this is a professional setting. How are you acting there? Like that just kind of is a good barometer for me, I guess. Absolutely. Well, you think about how you present yourself on your resume and your cover letter. And yeah. you just have to be more aware today than ever of how you present yourself in every situation. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I guess it's the world that we're living in, right? I guess as a recruiter, like what is your favorite and least favorite thing about social media being so prevalent now? You know, one of my most favorite things, actually, uh, I realized, quite a, I don't even know how long ago, right when LinkedIn, most people had never heard of it. Mm -hmm. And I said, this will be one of the greatest things that will happen for recruiters yeah. ever, right? Because we're all about networking mm -hmm. and we're all about who do we know and who, you know, who do they know? And, and I mean, recruiters used to, when we first started Bryant Group in the beginning was asked Bryant. And I mean, the, the company, there was no LinkedIn. There was no internet, basically. Yeah. I mean, and so it was all, it was all about picking up the phone and calling somebody, you know, and so that's just really been automated basically yeah. by LinkedIn. So I love that. And if you don't mind, I'm going to turn the tables and just say, it's really, we've been talking about how do you recruit people? Yeah. And then now we're kind of talking a little bit about how do you present yourself sure. as a candidate? And, and I'm just going to throw out there. I literally, not because he works for us, but I literally believe that our vice president, John Tulin, is the best coach of how to interview of anybody I've ever met. Yeah. He's way better than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm a good interviewer. Oh, yeah. He can teach you how to how to be the interviewee. Okay. He can teach you how to be a great candidate. And there and he has a podcast that's posted on our website mm -hmm. um, that people can go and listen to that will give them 20 minutes of how to interview. That sounds extremely helpful and yeah that's that is it's a skill you know just like anything else is that you know it's you can be great at your job but if you're not great about talking about your job yeah. or your experience then you've really hurt yourself and your career advancement and frankly that next company or institution or organization that you could work for because you could be what they mm -hmm. need and they could be what you need but if you can't articulate that or you can't explain it in a way in the interview that makes sense to them, you've lost that opportunity. Yeah. So last question for the people that maybe are, you know, that, that have their own businesses or whatever, what are the, like, you have a lot of experience in dealing with the clients and uh, your clients understanding, you know, or the, the candidates that you're presenting your clients and understanding what shows up as being very attractive to them or whatever. And so in terms like what advice would you give people that are looking to attract really great teammates, really good people for their, um, to, to work with them? What have you observed that you're just like, Hey dude, this, these are the things that really make an impression on candidates that get them excited about talking to you. Not just like, well, you know, if the money's good, I'll, I'll listen or whatever. I'm so glad you brought that okay. up. So it goes so far beyond the money. So sure. Of course, your salaries need to be competitive. And that is the first place that you want to start. 
But it goes so far beyond that. Right now, of course, you've heard of the great resignation, the great reshuffling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really thinking of it as the great opportunity. It's an opportunity not only for candidates, it's an opportunity for companies, like you're saying, for, for entrepreneurial growing companies to say, we know people are looking for something that provides meaning in their life. Mm-hmm. People want to be something, be part of something bigger mm-hmm. than just themselves. And they want to go to work for something more than just a paycheck. So when you're able to articulate the vision of what your company is and where you see your company going, mm-hmm. and then ask people how they see themselves fitting into that. Is this something that gets them excited? I mean, when we talk about joining Bryant Group, we talk about our vision of of being the most impactful leadership consulting company in the nation. Mm -hmm. We want to impact communities. We want to impact people through leadership. And we have have so much growth going on. I'm looking for people who get excited by leadership, Mm -hmm. by impact, by saying, I could come in and I could not only help Bryant Group and have a transformational impact on Bryant Group, the Bryant Group can have a transformational impact on my life. So I think people get excited about a leader who has passion and vision if their passion and vision aligns. Yeah. And I think that it, it, as a leader, it is a you have to provide people with an opportunity to self-select as to whether or not they want to be a part of what you're doing. And so it's just so important 100%. that you, you provide a lot of evidence of what it means to have this kind of a culture. And so like for you, the you know proactive communication, I'm sure that somebody walks into your office, they have a very they have a very clear understanding of what that means. It's not just words on the wall, but it's like, oh, if we're working here, we're talking to each other, we're providing a lot of updates, we're tracking a lot of metrics, we are providing a lot of, you know, we're being proactive in the way that we're telling people. Some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it. But if it's a secret, then people don't get to choose as to whether or not they want to, you know, whether or not they want to be a part of what you're doing. That's exactly right. I mean, I one of our one of our other core values is Moxie. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not a person who likes to take a little bit of risk, mm-hmm. you're going to know right away this isn't the yeah. place for me. Yeah. If that's exciting to you, then we're in alignment. Yeah. Hop on board. Hop on board. All right. We're going to do a part two with Sally because we have so much more to cover. But before we go, you know, your services, if somebody wanted to seek you out, find the podcast that you were talking about on the, you know, being a great interviewee tips, where can people find you? How do they get in touch? Super. So first, our website is Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, G-R-P, like group without the vowels. Okay. So Bryant, G-R-P.com. Mm-hmm. And they go to the blog page. And this podcast I mentioned is on the second, like you have to scroll to the second part of the blog mm-hmm. pages and it's called How to Ace Your Interview. Okay. And they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, there are... 5,000 Sally Bryant's in the United States the last time I checked. Yes. So if you can't find me on LinkedIn, go to our LinkedIn page, which is Bryant Group, and then in parentheses, Building Powerful Teams. Mm -hmm. And you can connect with me from there. And you can also email us at info at bryantgrp.com. Okay. If you need Sally, you need her help, you need her advice, I will will speak on her behalf. If if there's something she can do to help you, reach out and she will... Absolutely. Step up. A hundred percent. Thank you so much, Travis. Yeah, it's been, been so been, fun. It's been a blast. We're going to get part two. We're going to do, it's going to be off, off the hook. Let's so, do it. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey there, Travis Richards. One last time. Thank you so much for investing your time and tuning into the show. 
I really hope that this was helpful to you, and I would appreciate your feedback very much. If you have some notes on what specifically from this episode was useful, or if you have ideas on what we can do better in the future. If you would like to support the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people find us, and also just recommend us to a friend. To get in touch, visit us at www.getbetteratbusiness.com. That's all for this episode, and I hope that you'll join us again next time. Thanks.